You're listening to Living Brave, a podcast where nothing's off the table. It's about leaning into discomfort and pioneering a new way of being. I'm Shoshana Raven. I created Living Brave to break down the shame, stigma, and fear holding us back from living the lives we dream of. Here, myself, my guests and friends share unfiltered stories and diverse insights to help us get out of our own way, build thriving relationships, and step more fully into our authentic selves. I believe that when we realize we have nothing to hide and truly hear each other out, we clear up a huge amount of mental space. And of course, no one can do the work for us, but we can be inspired to reclaim our lives when we step into this radical truth-telling. So let's get started. Welcome to episode 48 of the Living Brave podcast. I'm so honored and grateful to have you here. It means the world to me that you are spending the next who knows how long minutes with me. So get cozy, get comfortable. Today is going to be a storytelling episode and hopefully there are some nuggets in here for you. This conversation, it reminds me of when I went live for the first time after my breakup. Um, I went through a pretty serious heartbreak around May of last year, and I went live three weeks after and just shared some of the most potent transmissions and lessons that were coming through, and I was shaking. And it almost reminds me of episode one of the Living Brave podcast, which feels like lifetimes ago. And I remember my heart beating so fast recording the episode in a room alone, just knowing the impact that this would have, and also knowing that I'm marking a specific time in my life and that. The concepts, the stories, my perspectives that I'm sharing might very well change in a few months, in a few years. And I think that's a trade-off, right, of being an artist, of being a creative, is knowing that you might put work out there that you might not agree with, that might feel like a sliver of the truth when you continue to integrate and process. But I would be doing myself a disservice. I would be doing us a disservice if I didn't share the truth that was pulsating in my heart and ready to share with you. So today I want to dig into some of the takeaways, the, the lessons from my recent plant medicine ceremony in Southern Colorado that I did in mid-April 2022. So before I dig in today, what's moving with Living Brave? We are on a rocket ship. When has it not been a rocket ship? I don't think I've ever felt this good in my life. And I think that when we look at when our business, when our mission, when our community is feeling the most alive, right, as an extension of our heart, it's really when you're feeling the most lit up. And I think sometimes what happens is when we're feeling off and we feel like there's something to fix and we feel like there's a strategy outside of ourselves, it's like we're making ourselves wrong. Like, what is this thing that I don't have? What is the reason why I'm not where I want to be? And what I always like to come back to with my clients is there's nothing to fix. There's just growth over time. You're right on time. Stay focused. And the truth is the more me that I am, the more I uncover the parts of myself that I've been keeping small, the more I uncover subconscious blocks to my most authentic voice, 
the more I bring more of myself to the table, the more me that I am, the more impact I have, the more money I make, the more joyful I am, the more alive and inspired I feel, the more I want to be in my business. And this idea of leading in the feminine and leading with energetics is not leaning back and doing nothing. It's actually the fact that when I feel most embodied and most alive and most inspired in my life is when I want to show up, create content, create episodes. And when I take time and space off, I've taken more time off this April than I've taken in a long time. I had more time blocked off in my calendar than on. We led a 15-woman retreat in Colombia at the heart of the world. That's what the indigenous Kogi tribe calls the space, the heart of the world. The energy in the land is so vibrant and the sounds of the jungle falling asleep so the sounds of the jungle at night and leading coaching on the beach underneath the sacred temple and floating down a river holding hands with women that I adore and I coach and I'm friends with and doing a salsa twerk class and getting high on weed for the first time in years with my clients and falling on the floor laughing and taking space to fill your cup And every time I do that and when I logged off this past weekend for three nights of one of the most transformational experiences that broke my human down, (laughs) broke me down so I could rise up from the ashes, stayed up all night going through portals of extreme discomfort in my body, going through what felt like channels into the ethers, into the solar system of thoughts and into the depths of my own soul where the veil is lifted as so many times psychedelics does. And it's not only psychedelics that gives us that pathway, but it can be a pathway in, right? To things that we can access without. It makes me want to show up here with so much more energy and fire because the truth is I would be running this podcast whether or not I made a single freaking dollar doing it and I want to help humans and my community not just build businesses but build communities build legacies build missions that house businesses businesses that make a ridiculous amount of money because money is a tool for impact for influence for health for wellness for joy for freedom for you For your family, for your community, for the world. And wealth in the hands of good-hearted people is going to change how we do this because wealth is a tool. Wealth amplifies who you are. And my mission here is to slay shame because I believe that taboos are here to keep us misinformed, disempowered. Money is one of those topics that's hush-hush. And I refuse to hush about something that will give you the tool to transform the way in which you're able to move through the world, the impact you're able to have and gives you the ability to live as much life as you're able to live in this life and actually leave a legacy on this earth. So I'm here to bridge the financial empowerment gap for women. My quantum wealth program is the program that everything made sense. It's like, oh, that's my background in finance. That's my background in investing. I've been investing much longer than I've been a coach. I was actually a freelance finance and business journalist for Investopedia for four years and before I did my business full-time. So I was writing about stocks and consumer trends and millennial workplace and timeless articles like what is a B Corp and (laughs) helping people with personal finance on sites like the Smart Wallet and also just 
playing with my own finances, right? And really exploring my relationship to saving debt and spending and some of the attachment styles and patternings that were playing out in my relationship to money and seeing how that was playing out in my other relationships and how was that passed down through my ancestral lineage, right? So not only was this financial healing work and money mindset work, but it was so much bigger than money mindset. It really addressed identity, right? And it addressed the somatic experience and addressed feminine masculine polarity addressed pleasure and safety with money and then moved into okay how do we actually build into know-how when it comes to personal finance rather than either avoid lock up our money in a jail cell or unconsciously spend and don't know the difference between greed and desire right unconscious spending and intentional exchange of energy and transforming relationship to conscious investing how do you start investing what is compound growth and learning that I am my own safest asset. It's amazing when I see that light bulb click where someone's excited about investing in themselves and that old story comes in of who are you to do this? And they hear those words of you are your safest asset. You can trust yourself and you decide you are your safest asset. You decide if the investments are worth it. Are you going to get your ROI? And what is ROI to you? Is ROI only you receiving money back in X amount of time? Or do you have a long game vision of your life, of a skill set, a toolbox, a community, a network, leadership, embodiment that will support you for your lifetime? So when I started to look at multidimensional ROI and shift my relationship to investing, I saw that I was my own safest asset. And I saw that every time I got my nails done or bought myself flowers or invested in a mentor or spent extra time reading a book, everything was a time, energy, resource investment and me growing to the most amplified, embodied, authentic version of myself. So this quantum wealth program, not only is it the financial healing cycle, financial liberation cycle, know-how on personal finance, um, conscious investing, how to start multiplying your money and how to actually start investing, right? I have seen an investment in my in my own portfolios uh, multiple times over, well above industry average, not to mention my own self, you know, 20x, 30x, 40x over time. And then we actually take that and apply the work we do on money and wealth leadership into business. So CEO level money principles, as well as how this all incorporates into pricing and sales so that we have really aligned pricing. You can get behind your pricing and you can have a really embodied, empowered sales process and really own the worth of your offerings. So this program, what I love about Quantum Wealth is it's not only for coaches and guides and healers, it's really for just self-led women who want to stop outsourcing their power to other people and handing over their finance to their husband or somebody else who maybe knows better. And they're like, let's actually feel like we have a brave, safe space to ask all of the questions, you know, to really start building building wealth, not just creating money. I'm so sick of people creating more money than they've ever made only to feel poorer than they've ever felt. Right, so this is about building wealth from the inside out. And also, once you have the wealth, actually being able to hold it and sustain it and multiply it. So my quantum wealth program kicks off on the 27th. We are in the last few days of the early bird. If you are just listening to this, reach out. We might have a special podcast bonus if you miss the early bird. It is a 
three-week immersion. We have at least six live transmissions, live Q&A, a private community. It's going to be so much fun, and we have 555 off for the early bird. The price is consistently rising. We're headed right into um, a few really exciting, actually, experiences, a couple free experiences, strategy-focused containers before we kick off our Empowered Business Accelerator, which is completely remastered, and we dive into so much more juiciness for the years. So what I have to say, if you haven't heard of The Vortex, shoshanaraven.com slash the dash vortex, go check it out. If you know you want to be a part of at least two live experiences for the year, I couldn't be more proud of a container and an offering. It's going to revolutionize Living Brave. It's already thriving. It's all of the programs for the year. So if you stack all of the value up, it's like 67 plus percent off plus you have a private community you have quarterly coaching with me you have client parties guest speakers it's a ton of fun so vortex is really for a woman who wants to stay in the same house for the year no stone unturned go through all the programs all the programs are standalone there is no overlap they all compound the results than the other programs so we're in the early bird of vortex right now i highly recommend don't wait be one of the ogs we're gonna look back on this and be so proud of you in a year so i I can't wait to know you. If this podcast resonates with you, if you feel connected to Living Brave, if anything that we do supports you, I want you to go share this podcast with a friend. You can send it to them directly or take a screenshot and then tag me at Shoshana underscore Raven on Instagram. And it's really awesome when you add value. You are the value add, right? Don't just listen to the podcast. Take notes. Think about what it means for you. How does it make you feel? And then share that. I love resharing that. It also means the world to be in that spirit of reciprocity. If this is supportive for you, rate or review. It takes two seconds. Just click one of the stars on Apple Podcasts or I go read these reviews and I really see you. So I want to know if you're listening. Let me know. Right? If you're interested in mentorship, higher level mentorship, masterminds one-to-one, just reach out to me on Instagram. Me or my team will respond to you. And I just want you to know I see you, I love you, and I'm so happy that you are here. So we will dive in to the plant medicine journey. So back in 2018, I was living in Denver, Colorado, just up the street from where I'm living now. And I felt, as many of us do, a pull to go travel. I was like, are you kidding me? I just spent years traveling. I just finally settled down here. All of my friends already don't believe that I'm staying and you want me to go again. And I had just kind of fallen in love with my former partner, but I had a voice come to me and it said, go to Colombia, the heart of the world. And so I remembered that I had connected with a yoga retreat center years ago and I was going to go work there but it didn't work out and I reached out to them and they had a slot open for a resident yoga teacher on site for September. So I went to Colombia and I spent five weeks at the heart of the world at this beautiful resort center right at the base of the Sierra Nevada mountain range on the beach. It looks like you are inside of a vision board and I had always heard about ayahuasca and I had always heard about plant medicine. I have a deep reverence for Um, the tradition behind it, and also for the intensity of really what psychedelic experiences are. I definitely have a lot of experience with psychedelics, with LSD, with psilocybin, but I knew that ayahuasca was something else, right? They call her the grandmother, 
And if mushrooms are like the, the grandkids that make you laugh and they're goofy and playful, ayahuasca is like the grandmother who knows what's up, right? So I always told myself, I listened to these beautiful, magical stories of people healing their ancestral lineage and flying over their body and through space on ayahuasca. And I thought, I'm not going to seek it out. I'm going to wait for it to seek me out. So the week I get to Colombia, there's an ayahuasca retreat happening the week that I get there. What are the chances? And like, you know what? I'm still going to let it come to me. I'm not going to ask if I can be a part of it. Lo and behold, they asked me if I want to be a part of it. And some of you might have heard me talk about the story with the farmer's egg, peeing in a farmer's egg, healing my stomach issues. Essentially what happened was I was overconfident. And this is something that I'm so proud of. And there's a shadow to everything. And confidence is 90%. Confidence is 90%. There is a 10%. And so I was definitely overconfident going into ayahuasca thinking I'm just open to whatever message I need to receive. I want to connect to the earth. And I remember at dinner that night, which the Colombian shaman that we worked with, who is an indigenous shaman, did not have us do dieta, which is a very interesting thing. Um, there are varying degrees of how strict the diet is a few weeks or even a month before. So I had no dieta and the, the taita, which is what they call him, um, was okay with that. But I found out that night that you purge. It's like, oh yeah, you might throw up. It's like, oh, interesting. So we sit in the ceremony and I remember thinking we're underneath this beautiful sacred temple. And I remember thinking, what if nothing even happens? You know, so confident, like nothing could touch me. And so the medicine hit and the forest started becoming alive. And all of a sudden my head is in between my knees and I'm vomiting and my mind is racing in a million miles per minute. And what happens on ayahuasca is it's like DMT, right? So the realizations are happening so fast that often you come to this beautiful revelation and then it slips and you forget what even happened. You're on to the next thing. It's very fast and it's almost like it's quantum growth. It's quantum healing. It's like you can move through lifetimes within an hour. And so I'd be moving through all of this and then realize, oh my gosh, my head is in between my knees. And so while everyone was done purging, I found that I was purging the entire night. And what ended up happening is I was sick and I could not get out of the purge. I was fighting I was fighting my body was fighting the entire night it was like and I remember someone came over to me and said you know your stomach it's like a walk it needs to be cleaned and right now it's trying to clean itself and so the whole night I couldn't throw up I was trying to make myself throw up and it felt like I was crying for the earth I was throwing up for the earth and nothing would come out so I took another cup and I thought this has been so stressful on my body I don't know if I can come back another night so I might as well try another round and I was kind of in and out of sleep I'm in just in deep body pain but I did have this experience as you do on psychedelics of an experience of me and me and I remember the first time right and psychedelics is a pathway the first time I was working in New York City right after I graduated before I quit my job and took a one-way ticket to India and I was working 60 plus hours a week six days a week and I went to a Bikram yoga class that was like my safe haven and I was in dancer pose and I looked at myself in the mirror and I had a voice come to me I just said you are so tired what are you doing you're so tired and I left yoga class and I called one of my good friends and I said has that ever happened to you you know in yoga class and you just talk to yourself and years later she's like I get it you know that's 
that's you. That's your higher self. That's you experiencing you. That's the observer, right? The core of our all spiritual teachings. There's the human and the ego and the one who lives through the world and the one with the changing personality. And there's the one who observes and the one who is unchanging and the unborn, undying self. And so I find that my experience on psychedelics, it gives me a deep experience of being I'm one with myself, but separate from myself, right? So I tuck myself into bed and like, what do you need? And I had a beautiful experience of watching myself grow up and seeing all of my quirks and feeling my body and feeling deeply in love with myself and seeing my life flash before me and really having a deep, deep love for myself. But I held really that ayahuasca in my body for weeks after I was really fatigued and quite sick for about two weeks after that first ceremony. And I emerged from my room after two days. I didn't leave my room for two days and they swept me away and they said, the shaman wants to talk with you. And I had, I went into this back room and I laid down and the shaman had black silk and a farmer's egg and almond oil and he had me sit up and he rubbed the almond oil on my chest and I repeated my name and my birthday and he rubbed it on my forehead and he pinned this black silk from the crown of my head to my ankle and he took the farmer's head and he put it on my stomach and he karate chopped it on my stomach and it didn't break someone in the room said the egg changed colors and I just sat up right away and the shaman said you know cut out the top of the egg pour out the yolk pee in the egg Put the egg in the sun, and in 60 days, your stomach illness will be healed. You have a blood ball in your stomach. You think you eat healthy. You're eating chemicals. And the truth is, people die from this in Peru all the time. I'm like, okay. Well, I'm definitely going to do this. Nothing to lose. And so I did that, and I didn't have stomach issues for years until I was going through, actually, my breakup with my previous partner. I've talked about this on a couple of my platforms, but essentially our body is one of the most intelligent tools. And it's something like your body is sending 50 times more messages to your mind than your mind is giving to your body. And so it's almost like we forget our body wisdom. We forget our intuition. We forget that our body holds the secrets, right? Body keeps score. And so I was feeling that same upper stomach inflammation during my breakup until the day that my partner left. And that day, after months of every time I ate, feeling deeply uncomfortable and having to lay down my stomach issues going away like in a snap. So <laughs> here we are. About a few months after my breakup in April, I was invited to another ayahuasca ceremony and I always knew that I wanted to do it again because I wasn't quite prepared and I really want to prepare that time. I was deciding in September, it was around October, and I remember I had microdosed on psilocybin and I had looked into my mind and I saw this tunnel. So I climbed over to the tunnel and I peeked in and I just saw so much pain and heartbreak and trauma from abandonment and so I thought you know the last thing I want to do is really put myself in a medicine ceremony and have the entire ceremony be working through this heartbreak and just be in deep pain you know I was still in that stage where I would break down crying and just feel really debilitated by by grief and so I thought you know what I'll give it six months and I still have a text message to a friend that says I'll do it in six months and so months later, I am falling in love for the first time, and I am a few months into a relationship, and the man that I'm dating invites me to ceremony with him, and he has sat in ceremony dozens of times, and it is exactly six months after I said, 
I would do it in six months. So I said yes. I was nervous as ever. And to be honest, I think there was a little bit of a fear that it would make me reevaluate everything or I'd want to tear it all down or pivot. And if you're my client, you know that I don't believe in a pivot. I believe that our business evolution, our evolution is always an expansion of self. And what might look like a massive shift in identity or a massive shift in the business does not have to be scary or does not have to feel like you're starting all over. It can feel like, oh, I'm bringing more of myself to the table. I'm exploring a new part of my identity. But still, there's that fear, right? And that fear of change. Although myself coaching as I would a client saying, you don't have to fear any change, anything that falls away, any realization that you have, you know, it's always in your highest. You can always know that what's, what's for you will come back around. And if not this, something better, and you can always trust in the natural cycle of things. And you can trust in your inner knowing rather than quiet your inner knowing in exchange for a false sense of safety and comfort in what you've known redefining risk, redefining safety. But still, I was scared. <laughs> and so we get to the ceremony and it was really nice having my current partner there and he was across the room. They actually divide men and women in these ceremonies and it was a definitely a different setup. Um, at many times during the ceremonies, you know, you come to and you realize I am in the middle of Southern Colorado. We're staying at the ranch in the middle of nowhere at this Airbnb. <laughs> And we are drinking Amazonian root with a group of humans I've never met in the pitch dark with a shaman, you know, and I had just gotten back from Colombia. And so is this, can you really make this stuff up? I just got back from a retreat in Colombia where I was coaching 15 beautiful women underneath the same sacred temple where I took the plant medicine for the first time four years ago, days after I got back from Columbia where I host the retreat. I'm in Southern Colorado in the middle of nowhere taking plant medicine with a shaman from the same region of the world where I took the medicine for the first time where I just returned from. And so I set up my, my little sanctuary with my mat and my sleeping pad and my blankets and I had my blankie I have the same blankie that I've had since I was a child I don't know how it's still intact although it's falling apart and my earplugs and my rose water I was ready to go and so they call up the men first and the men who are drinking for the first time the men who have already drank the women who are drinking for the first time the women who already drank before the ceremony i speak to this gray-haired woman sitting next to me and i said you know i i am excited to be here i'm here all three nights and you know last time i did plant medicine i don't think i was ready for it and i really couldn't get out of the purge and what she said to me was you know it's a practice isn't it you're just called to the practice and thinking of ayahuasca as a practice held me through some of the most painful and uncomfortable nights and moments of my life afterward. So the first night, there's so much that happened on this journey and so much that happens. What I say in my coaching containers and in this paradigm that we live in where it's like, I need to know that I'm getting something out of it. I need to know that I'm getting value. I need to write it all down. When I started writing, I couldn't have a conversation with someone without going and taking my journal and going to the bathroom and writing it down. It was like, I was afraid I was going to lose it. So like we don't trust ourselves to hold the wisdom when we don't trust that all these spaces do coaching does personal development tools do plant medicine does it extracts the wisdom that already lives inside of you. There's nothing that you can lose that is for you. Right. But still 
there's an element of I want to remember everything and integration and journaling at right after is very important but I will tell you so much of the ceremony I don't even remember what happened but I know that it did the work on me and that it changed me and there's nothing that I need to do I just need to be and the more that I can be the more that I can trust that it was life-changing because I feel it and I feel better than I've ever felt so I'll start there and that I won't share everything that I remember and I also could never share everything that happened because I also don't intellectually know it it happened on a deep soul level the woman said it's a practice and so I took the medicine and the lights go out and you sit in the darkness and there are lights around the room and I was sitting next to this candle I always had my spot near the door so how it works is about 45 minutes in it's different for everyone you start to feel it kick in you start to feel almost like you're tripping you start to feel deeply nauseous and I don't know what it's like to live in anyone else's body but I know that in my body it feels like uh, you almost want to wiggle out of your own skin and then at that exact moment the shaman starts playing his music and it seeps in like a serpent you almost hear it a little bit and it's like it's teasing you the music is coming in then the music will play for 15 20 minutes and then he might weave into healing where he's chanting and he's doing a healing ceremony and he's walking around the room and at one point I see him and he's spinning around the room and he's playing his instrument and he's chanting and dancing and at the same time you look over to your neighbor and you wouldn't know if they were lights out or whether they're having the most profound experience that is also the beauty of this it's not really a medicine where you are exploring and walking around it's really an inward journey with your eyes closed and so I go outside and I drop to my knees and I look at the moon and it's almost the full moon and I feel cold and my whole body's shaking and I had to stick my hands down my throat and make myself throw up and I couldn't purge. I'm like, please, please. And I couldn't purge. And so finally, I get back inside and I'm in and out of feeling extreme discomfort in my body just your stomach but like you are I remember just like tossing and turning and pressing my feet together and pressing my blankie into my head and then you know you'd kind of forget what you were feeling in your body and go down a trip and there are so many beautiful moments and I think the reason why ayahuasca is so appealing and why even on a subconscious level we're so drawn to it is because it's it's a human experience you're so deeply alive and alert to duality you're so in your body and for so many people have been so disconnected from their body and their emotions to feel that present to your body and to also feel the duality of extreme joy and revelation and being blasted off to another world and then being brought down to what it feels like to be on the floor, you know, struggling to stay okay and that duality that can flip in a second. And I remember one of the questions I saw a hawk fly overhead as we drove to the ceremony that night. We were talking about our intentions and I said, how can I heal my family? And as I said, I already knew the answer. And so that was one of the main lessons of ayahuasca is, you know, the answers, you know, the answers. So I knew the answer was heal myself. And I knew the answer was love. And I know the answer is always love. And it always boils down to love. And so the message the whole night was, love dissolves all 
And so I would see the faces of some people who have even reached out and tried to hurt me with words and who have tried to, to hurt me in their actions. And I just watched love dissolve all, knowing that why relationships can be so hard and why those that intimacy can be so hard is because in the presence of the purest love, everything that's not love will be brought to the surface so that it can heal. And that if there's anything in your life that's feeling sticky or anyone who feels like they're not fully accepting you and your radiance and your joy and your love, all it is is a cry for love. And so can we bring this radical acceptance and I know during the hardest moments and as my partner walked out the door from me, the easy thing is to hold on to anger and resentment. And I remember what my dad told to me that night. He said, the hardest thing is going to be loving him through this. So I always remembered that love dissolves all and that my job on this earth, my dharma, my soul's purpose is to be an embodiment of love and seek the joy. And so the second day, we wake up so basically you go through the entire night and around 4 a.m there's a healing ceremony with all of the men they sit in the center and they have their shirts off and there are people who are walking around touching your head rubbing holy water on your back the shaman is walking around chanting and then the women go in the circle so after that you sleep for a few hours and you wake up and my partner walked over to me in the morning and just looked at him when he gave each other a hug and I said it's all a cosmic joke <laughs> and also I want a strawberry I'm hungry so we left we got back to our Airbnb and on the way back you know this is his 30 something time and he said yeah it was it was amazing you know it was brutal but it was amazing in that moment I felt this a deep sense of and not frustration but almost like when you're at a loss, right? Like, gosh, that was so hard for me. I only drank once and I was so, like, I thought that I might wake up even with my stomach upset like I did in Colombia when I woke up and I was like, I'm still nauseous. My stomach is still inflamed. So I was celebrating that I wasn't nauseous in the morning, but the whole night, you know, I couldn't purge and I was in and out of extreme discomfort in my body. And the medicine just kind of stuck in my body and I couldn't purge. So I said, you know, I want to be really careful on how I say this, but maybe this just isn't for me. When clients say this, when things aren't quote working for them in the amount of time that they think it should, and it doesn't happen in the amount of time they think it needs to happen. Sometimes they say, maybe this just isn't for me. Maybe this just isn't the path for me. And I always tell them, if you desire it, how could it not be for you? There is nothing that is not for you. I truly believe when you put both feet in, you can't fail you can't not succeed over time you just need to have a long-term vision you need to put both feet in you need to look at this as a practice it's like you know what I'm gonna give this my all and of course my mind is going in all the directions as to maybe I'm just allergic to this which is hilarious or maybe I don't need this I'm a joyful happy person maybe I just don't need this and the truth is when the fear and when the potential downside is bigger than the dream and the desire and the what if the fear wins but the dream and the desire and the well what if this is for me what if tonight is a night where it changes that was bigger so I led myself to ceremony too and I took the first cup and it started to hit and I was in the best mindset I was like I am doing this I'm going all in no matter freaking what <laughs> So I took the medicine and right when it hit, I felt that feeling in your stomach ready to purge. And I went outside, I 
saw it's almost a full moon and I kneeled to the earth and I asked my body please body please purge and it was dry heaving and finally a little bit of the medicine came into the earth and as I'm starting to trip I see it looks like blood seeping into the earth and I thought about how beautiful how I've never thought I have so many clients who have secret ceremonies with their period and with their period blood. You have to see it to really experience the cycle, right, of this recycling of energy and this purging and this release. And so it was a beautiful experience of watching just a little bit of the medicine seep into the earth. And I looked up at the moon and I tried to throw up some more. Nothing else would come out. So still feeling really wrecked in my body, I led myself back inside and laid down and really fought through extreme, extreme discomfort and also went through a really beautiful trip. And that lasted about three hours. So when I could finally um, get myself to check the time, I had a little watch that was next to the candle that I would tilt the candle over and see what time it was. I saw it was about one in the morning and I had three more hours. And the way that I had gotten myself through the first cup in that experience was actually convincing myself that I was never drinking ayahuasca again, that I was not sure as hell not drinking a second cup and I was not coming back the next night I had actually gone so far to make myself feel better about that by saying listen you're not seeking anymore which is something I will come back to in this episode like this realization that I'm not seeking so much anymore and I love and I honor and I cherish those times and I know there will be times again in my life but especially at the beginning of your spiritual journey when you're just seeking like you're feeling the questions bubbling up and you're seeking truth it's like I, I know truth I feel truth I love myself and that was a, a beautiful feeling and I still believe in it but I was like I don't need this and I'm sure as hell not putting myself through this anymore and that was the only way I could get through the pain. And it's so interesting how we forget the pain, isn't it? Like when you go through a breakup and a heartbreak and you say, I'm, I never want to fall in love again. And someone smiles and laughs and they say, you will. This will end. But if you knew how it would feel and you could really remember, would you do it again? It's like your body helps you in forgetting. And I think that's probably what the pregnancy journey is like, right? It's like you go through the most excruciating pain of your life and you might even think, oh my goodness, could I ever do this again? And then you're like, I'll do it again. My client, Katie, who just birthed a, a child in the most beautiful way, it's like, it was pretty fucking badass, right? After the fact, you can say that was pretty badass. Let's do that again. And so finally, I'm feeling better and I'm thinking about how I tell my clients, if the dream is bigger than the fear, the dream wins. Am I really want, willing to wonder what if? Sometimes I say, it's okay if you're willing to wonder what if. Like, I'm willing to wonder what if if I don't go skydiving tomorrow. It, it could be beautiful, but you know what? I'm willing to wonder what if. Sometimes when I'm making big investment decisions or I'm thinking about speaking my truth or taking a leap of faith, like, am I willing to wonder what if at the end of my life in a year and two years, like when I watch that program happening or it fills up, am I willing to wonder what if I just trusted myself? What if I trusted my gut? And if the answer is no, I go for it. And I live a story that I want to tell later on, right? I live a story that I want to be proud of. And I live a life that if my clients peek behind the scenes, I would be proud of. 
And they would say, wow, I want to work with her even more, right? So slowly, little by little, minute by minute, the dream started getting bigger than the fear. And the potential, the desire started becoming bigger than the potential pain. Like in a snap of a finger. It was like I was convincing myself as well, which I also believe is true. And I think that the potential downside of really getting in a rhythm of doing psychedelics is like this feeling that this other world that you go to is somehow more magical and more mystical and more desirable than where you are now. And so part of convincing myself not to do it again was, you know, nothing in this world could be more beautiful than my life now. And I still hold true to that, but it doesn't mean that I didn't have a desire to see what was on the other side, trusting that I'm here and I'm here for a reason. There's something for me here. I think those were both beautiful realizations of one, I'm not seeking so much anymore. And two, There's nothing more beautiful than my life now. And yes, there could be some magical, mystical trip on the other side of this and beautiful realizations, but I'm so proud of where I am now. You know, laying here and experiencing myself is enough and we get to go from more to more. And I owe it to myself to be brave and see what happens. So I walked up. And you walk up alone, right? Because people are walking up to get other cups at different times throughout the night. And I got another cup and I take a big gulp of ayahuasca and there was a little bit left in my cup and I just stood there, which is a really funny sight. I stood there, just eyes closed, like kind of wincing and I could not take the last sip. And someone came up to me, one of the helpers and said, hey, you can wait to drink it. I said, okay, thank you. So I sat back down and probably in 15, 20 minutes, I felt again, that extreme nausea and feeling like it was going to purge. And I walked myself outside and I dropped to my knees and right where I dropped to my knees was exactly the same spot that that little bit of medicine came out a few hours before. And I looked up at the moon and I asked my body, I said, please body, please body. And I tried to make myself her up and nothing would come up. And so I thought instead of fighting it, instead of this needs to come out, why don't I ask myself like you love to throw up right I was like please give me pleasure give me pleasure please I want this I want this and all of the medicine it was like the medicine from the entire night and the night before and four years before all spilled out onto the earth and I felt like the most orgasmic I've ever felt in my life I was like thank you. Oh my God. You know, I'm like huffing and puffing and oh my God. And thank you. Ah! And if you were near me, you would probably be like, what in the world? And I was looking at the moon. So grateful for my body. So grateful for my life. And I walked myself back inside and I had my trip and woke up in the morning and I got in the car and I was like, I threw up. I'm so excited. And ah, It's a practice, right? Surrendering is a practice. Nothing is not for you. And as I was on my knees, feeling my body shake, wanting to purge and purging, there are so many things that we can do to trip, right? I could do psilocybin, I could do LSD, but there's something, I'm like, there's something about this And this intellectual knowing of embracing our humanness and duality and our emotions dropped into my body of, I 
find pleasure. There is pleasure. There's not just can I feel what I'm feeling and ride the waves, but can I find pleasure in pain? There's a reason why all of these people pay so much money to be here, carve out entire weekends to be here, to feel this deeply human, to feel this depth of pain and feel like they're dying and they're breaking down the human so they can work themselves back up and rise like the phoenix rising night after night. The truth is the reason my first medicine ceremony happened the way it happened and I was sick all night is because I wasn't ready to hold pain. I wasn't ready to hold duality. And the context of leadership, the context of this too shall pass, the context of we alchemize every hard thing into gold, not only for my life, but so I can teach it. And the night will end. This will end and you will tell the story. What will you make the story mean? That is what led me through the ceremony. I knew no matter what, I got me. No matter what, this night will end. And this is a practice of holding myself through a hard thing, knowing I can alchemize it into gold and find the lesson and there's no need to fight it. Surrender, pick yourself back up, be brave, get in the game, but know that this too shall pass. What will the story be? And I didn't have that context of leadership for my life. I wasn't able to hold pain and know that there's a flip side to everything and know that there's a trade-off. The bigger the dream, the bigger the fear, the bigger the excitement, the bigger the doubt, right? The bigger the desire, the bigger the potential risk and disappointment. Are you willing to hold that? That's a practice. Surrendering is a practice. Embracing your emotions and duality is a practice. Entrepreneurship is a practice. There's nothing that's not for you. You might just not be getting the upside because you're not brave enough or strong enough right now to hold the flip side. And that's okay. But will you get in the game and be in the practice? And can you avoid talking yourself out of things? It's just not for me. It's just not the right time. I just don't have this in place. I'm just not X enough. I'm just too much Y. This person must have that that I don't have. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm allergic. Maybe I don't need it. It's not about need anymore. It's about desire. It's about fitting as much life into this life as you can. And so that was my guiding principle as I was moving through, again, extreme discomfort after that. More to more to more to more. Quantum growth, quantum healing, quantum growth, quantum healing. Not because I have to speed up time because there's not enough time and scarcity of time, but because the only thing that's limited is my time and I want to fit as much growth into my life as possible. And the resounding message I got in ayahuasca that I continue to get is if you look at our 500k quarter and our 125k, you know, day that we just had, you know, just had yesterday, organically, I just grew this business two years ago, the community, it's insane, it gives you something to sink your teeth into, but the quantum growth at the human level, if you looked into my mind and heart and my client's mind and heart and the way I see these women grow is extraordinary and we can do that through plant medicine we can do that through trading comfort and i know what's going to happen right i knew what would happen if i didn't drink for the rest of the night and i didn't go to the next ceremonies i knew what would happen but i traded what's predictable for quantum healing non-linear non-predictable limitless 
So I know what happens when I don't leap. But the truth is, the point, the reason it's called the leap of faith is you don't know. Of course it's scary. Of course it's scary. But you are built for hard things. You can stretch your muscle of your capacity to hold fear and hold faith and act on the faith. So I'm so grateful that I did that. And the final night, I also drank and I also purged, which was beautiful. And I had a very different experience, which you know, my ayahuasca experiences were very positive. And I'm um, almost this like feeling of my skull was brightening. And it was a really magical experience. And so the last night was a little less heady and more in my body. And I was at the floor level and really in and out of a little bit of darkness and heaviness. And then like fairy pixie dust would come in and it would be like, show, this is what you do, you know, walking around spreading pixie dust through the world. And I only drank once the first night. My body was really beat and I really couldn't sit up until, you know, a few hours in and I decided like, okay, this is enough and I'm complete with my experience. But how fast we forget the pain, right? There is nothing, avoiding pain is painful in itself. Most of our suffering comes from the avoidance of pain. Can we find a, a richness, and I find wealth is the richness of our experience in the now. Where does richness comes from? It comes from depth. It comes from the quality of our experience. So I can say I lived lifetimes in a few nights. One of the messages that always comes up is a love for self. Is a resounding love, but a love for self. And I think coming into the ceremony, I was really looking at what parts of myself am I still rejecting? Right, Because I know that I grow as I bring more of myself to the table and any parts of myself that I'm hiding are parts of myself that I'm rejecting and how messed up, you know, it's like, yes, gifts of imperfection and how can I love my imperfections, but we pick and choose what imperfections we want to share with other people, right? Do I love the part of myself that feels abandoned? Do I love the part of myself that needs validation? Do I love the part of myself that feels jealous, right? So it's like, please show me the parts of myself that I don't love so I can heal that. And what I found was, darling, there is nothing not to love. <laughs> I love you so much. It's like me and me. I love you so much. I love you so much. And like it was this compounding love, but why is that not enough for you? And I had a little cry. Like, why is that not enough for you sometimes? isn't that the human experience right so i'm excited to explore and dig into that more but there's nothing not to love about your quirks about the way that you express yourself and even looking at my nails right now there's this hot pink and cheetah and i remember thinking you even have a little bit of shame around your nails like don't have shame around anything i found that i had a bit of shame around the way my past relationship ended and I haven't been totally transparent around, I wanted to make it work. I have shame around the part of me that was rejected, right? The part of me that was in a relationship with someone who didn't want to do the work anymore. I said, I don't want this. I want something else. And he said, I can't give that to you, right? The shame we hold around, you know, when I saw the, the medicine seep into the earth, the shame that I remembered around just having a vulva, having a period, shame around being sexually expressed. 
shame around the first time that you explored your sexuality and you were like interested what do genitals look like you know maybe you made out with a friend or so many people that I hear stories of the first time they decorated their pussy or the first time that they explored the friend and the shame that they still hold around that and it emboldened my mission here even more and in a moment I thought oh is Christian looking at me my partner and I thought why what, what would you act like if he was looking at you? And I thought, what would you act like if your beloved was watching you always? And I had actually a mentor pop into my mind, Ashay. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's how she moves through the world as if her beloved is always watching her. What if I move through the world and that sensual, sexual, embodied way as if I was always being witnessed. And so that is like a deep, and that's not because I need to be seen. It's because I think us as women, we get pleasure, so much more pleasure having someone who's witnessing. So could I get pleasure by enjoying myself always in the company of others, imagining that there's someone that's there even if they're not and live in that deep sense of pleasure as if someone is watching so that was so much fun to have that realization so what psychedelics do and what getting us out of our natural rhythm does it allows us to look at our lives and look at the way that we're living in a new way and so i know that i'm here to experience such extreme joy and to have a joyous relationship with myself and to really look at your relationship with yourself as the foundation of everything every rock bottom has been a realization that i've lost footing with myself that i don't enjoy time alone and so this beautiful space to cozy up with myself and to talk with myself and to crack myself up and to cry and I remember there was one part of the night where the shaman was twirling around the room and chanting and the chant lasted for like 30 minutes and at the end of the chant it's dead silent in the room and I just thought to myself what if I just yelled out encore and I started cracking up and laughing and I couldn't stop imagining encore and me sharing with my dad who I have such a fun relationship with about you know that moment and almost just like all right Shosh here we are why don't you stay a while and all my accents were coming out and it's like you know what why don't I really just have so much fun with myself and seek the joy and sprinkle fairy dust everywhere I go and I remember when I was down on the floor level and feeling like the depths of what this experience could be and almost like this wormy kind of underworld all of a sudden this like pink sparkly world just started floating into my horizons like ah I'm home and not to bypass but because life is how you look at it you decide you decide a pixelated world of fairy dust right after the feeling of being so empty of being hungry of knowing also what it's like to not have access to that and if i can have access to that fairy dust world it's a disservice to not share that and you know what i trade off i trade off being relatable and this is something that I explored with my clients in Colombia. It's like, I'm afraid that if I'm joyous all the time, I'm afraid that if I'm celebrating and I don't reach to the pain to justify the win, and if I am so successful and I'm so happy, 
that I'm not going to be relatable anymore. And you know what I say to that? Is relatability a core value? Do you look up to the people you admire? Do you look up to, do you think Lady Gaga cares about being relatable? Or is leadership about having the courage to go first and actually be unrelatable so that you've re- you can relate to the people who have just been looking for somebody to show the way? So this true wealth only exists now in the way that we experience our life, right? And you might have walked over, walked by me and seen me during ceremony staring at a candle and thought, oh, this woman is tripping her, <laughs> her mind away. But when's the last time you had an experience of looking at something like a candle or a flower or the sky and marveling at how the light is hitting your skin in just the perfect way and looked at a candle? And have you ever seen a candle? The top looks like the whole thing is solid. There are these see-through candles and in between the top layer and the base, there was this area of liquid. And there are these little bubbles, these little air pockets that looked like pearls. And just marveling at the beauty of a candle and the light and you and yourself in this moment. And there's always, always that opportunity for true wealth. The thing about true wealth, your experience of the now, the richness, the depth, not always the beauty, but in the aliveness, is that it's a magnet for more wealth. And money, when we talk about business, is simply a tool to create true wealth. Money is nothing but a value placement and something that is exchanged energetically for wealth. So I want us to take a look at how we're living and know that something like plant medicine, something like investing in a mentor, something like taking the trip, something in a later date, it's not going to give you wealth now. There are no answers outside of you. Get yourself in spaces. Get yourself in brave spaces. Put yourself at the edge so that you set yourself up to have transformational experiences. You set yourself up to decide that you're going to have a breakthrough, but don't be fooled in thinking that there's something outside of you. These are all tools that unlock truths within you. There is nothing more beautiful than your life in the now. One of the greatest compliments that I ever received in my life was you act like everything is so deep and nothing matters. And so can we move detached from control of what needs to happen and yet deeply caring, noticing when you walk through a room how loud your footprints are on the floor, treating every single person that you come across like a human that just wants to be seen, heard, belong, understood for who they really are, and anyone who attempts to make you feel like you don't belong, who attempts to make you feel like you aren't loved, is fearing a lack of that within themselves, and can you dissipate that and dissolve that with love? And can you find the richness and the depth and the meaning and the heartbreak and then crack yourself up at the same time? So I love you. Thank you for listening. I'm looking at my notes. I'm like, oh, also, it's really important that you know I was also a funk star in a past life. I was a Motown singer. (laughs) And that was a really beautiful vision that I had. There's so much more to share with you. But there is nothing that's not for you. It is a practice. Keep your eye on the long game. Have the context of this night will end. This will end. And in the end, 
I won't just want to do over the good parts. I want to do over everything. I want to do over the heartbreak. I want to do over the falling to my knees, begging the moon, begging my body to give me a release. I want to redo picking myself up from the ashes. And you can't pick yourself up from the ashes unless sometimes you allow yourself to be in the quantum crumble. Are you willing to trade what you know and safety for desire for the dream? When the desire is there, when the dream is there, you're able to hold the fear. You're able to hold the potential downside. Can you move through the world as if your beloved was watching? How would you show up? That's magnetic. There's nothing more magnetic than you being authentically you. And I can tell you that the more me I am, the more opportunities flow my way. The more me I am, the more money I make. The more me I am, the more good I feel, the more good I feel, the more easy it gets the more natural it is the more i want to show up for you and the more i can hold it's a practice it's for you if you desire it how big are you willing to go so let me know how this episode resonated with you i love 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 you even if i've never met you parts of this made you feel all sorts of things i love that too please send me a message let me know how this resonated share it with a friend reach out to me tag me on your stories and if you're interested in mentorship i can tell you one of the best things i ever did for myself was got myself in rooms not only with mentors who've created things that i want to create right or at a level of business at a level of leadership have certain relationships in their life that i admire but who lead their lives with the value that you hold true there are a million ways to grow a million dollar business I love to coach the whole person. I want to do life with you. I want you to be proud to wake up every day. I want you to feel like you have a community that houses a business. I want you to feel like you're so emboldened in your voice. I want you to have a team and a legacy that expands far beyond you and your personal story. I want to laugh with you. I want to cry with you. I want to go through the crunchies with you. And so I would say Vortex is the place to plug in let's work together for the year and within your first six months if you want to upgrade to -to one-to-one if there's space or you want to upgrade to a mastermind you can put your entire investment towards that if you know you want to join a, a mastermind which includes like daily voxer support with me a sisterhood access to vortex all of that please reach out we're already over half full in our expand mastermind and we are filling up in leadership this is my life's work I am going to be singing the song for the rest of my days. I can't wait to meet the me on the other side of this continued integration. I can't wait to meet the you that walks yourself through whatever this next portal of growth is for you. So thank you for listening to my stories today. It was, I will say it was challenging to to dilute such a magical experience into something tangible because the truth is there is so much beyond words here, but we do our best with the tools that we have, right? And this language created by billions of humans who tried their best to express themselves and we have this thing called language. So I will be hopefully hearing from you. So much love. Until next time.